Welcome Sports Ethos New York Knicks Podcast. The season is officially upon us. Not unofficially. Not close. Kind of, sort of. We here now. We here. First game up against the Memphis Grizzlies. So let's talk about these last two preseason games. I told you what was going to happen against Indiana. I said it. I said Indiana is going to come for them. I saw Carlisle called a couple timeouts. He did a couple old team changes because the effort wasn't there. The Knicks were out-efforting them. He didn't like it. He did not want that Pacers team to take a, a whooping from the Knicks on their home floor after this after the first game. And for the most part, the starters matched that energy. And the bench kind of, which... But you've seen that. You've seen that the bench is which which should be a strength for the Knicks has been inconsistent. Now, a big part of that is Derrick Rose not playing consistently in the preseason, which you expect. You expect that. But you want to see the young kids. Grimes also didn't play. You want to see the young kids start to play better. And quickly talked about it, even though his dribbling, over-dribbling, holding the ball too long, you haven't seen it as much since the first game where it was a bigger issue. He's done it a lot less, especially when Derek was on the floor. But when Derek is not on the floor, you see the bad habits creeping in a little bit with him, but still not as bad as it was in the first game. But what you saw in that, in that second Indiana Pacer game is you saw him being way too aggressive offensively. Couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. And when when the ball is in his hands that much and he's being that inefficient, the Knicks are not going to win many games. Because they will depend on the starters too much. And as the season carries on, they're going to wear down. And Derrick Rose is going to wear down. You need to see IQ be more efficient with his opportunities. They are depending on him in that second unit. And what I think needs to happen is I think, and I said it before, and you saw a lot of this, you need Derrick Rose to dominate the point guard responsibility. Because IQ is effective when he is off the ball. When he gets that ball on the weak side, he will murder, hand down, man down. He will attack hard closeouts. He can score efficiently off the ball. When he's on the ball and having to use those screens, he's just not good at it right now. He hasn't shown it at least. Not consistently. Use that high screen. Try to get that guy stuck on the screen once or twice and then move the ball. If you don't get something out of it, move the ball. Let someone else make a play. And you saw that. More than you did the first game, but not enough. And in that second Pacer game, you saw the worst of it. And you saw Tibbs spared the starters from having to go back in that game and win it. He let the second unit, the end of the bench guys, he he let them play through it. And it wasn't even the end of the bench guys. It was the guys that were supposed to play. The guys who are going to play 15, 20 minutes every night, it was those guys against a Pacer team that's supposed to be tanking. 
And it's one thing to say, oh, the Knicks didn't the Knicks didn't put the starters back in and have that excuse, but that second unit is supposed to have an advantage against that second unit of the Pacers. And Matherin ripped them a new one. And I made the unfair comparison between Cam and Matherin is unfair to, to Cam because he's just not that good. And what you're seeing with Cam is what a lot of guys, a lot of new fans of the NBA need to understand. You can have all the talent, athleticism in the world. If you do not know how to score in a system, if you do not know how to score efficiently, if you do not know how to find shots that you know how to make, you will look like trash. And I do not want to call Cam Reddish trash, but he looks it. He doesn't know where his shots are coming from. He doesn't know if he's coming or going. Guys are all over his shots when he takes them. It's a travesty. And you've seen that guy put 30 burgers on the on on the on the board against champions in the playoffs. But he comes here and he listen, you could make excuses for his opportunities in the past. He got opportunities. Not only was he playing, but the ball was in his hands, the ball would get swung to him. He had opportunities. He didn't know what to do with them. He'd make a move, get to the basket, and get jacked up as soon as he got there. Is R.J. Barrett that much better than you? He's, he can't. He doesn't have the speed, the quickness, the boogies. He doesn't have any of that stuff, but he can get to the rim more consistently than you can. And he knows what he's doing more than you, and he struggles there. Not this preseason now, but throughout his career, he has struggled at the rim and he still looks better than you and you have head and shoulder shoulders athleticism advantage over him. You have a, a wide array of shots at the rim and you're still looking like you don't know what you're doing when you get there. And it's an unfortunate thing because I believe Cam is in his head a little bit. He's out of rhythm. But, and you, you thought you saw a little kind of flash at the end of the Pacer game when the Knicks were kind of holding on a little bit, and they found him, and he went, you know, made a, it looked like he made a couple plays, a couple tough plays. But then he just loses the ball in a, in, a, in a tough spot. And that was him losing his chance of playing. Not that he had much of one, but that was him losing his chance at playing. Just fumbling the ball away. Getting his jump shot blocked. Having guys in his shorts while he's shooting jump shots. He doesn't know what he's doing out there. It's it's at a point, and to his credit, his defense has been a little bit more solid. He makes some little mistakes here and there. But his length, his range has been good. You might see Cam put in the game for defensive possessions, which is crazy. I know, I'm nuts, but... I can see Cam be put in the game just for his length and athleticism against some, you know, some guy down the stretch. I can see that because that's all he's shown. He hasn't shown the ability to do anything else. Get out and transition. And he had ample opportunity with Grimes out. He does, it's a shame. It's lost assets for the Knicks. First round draft pick gone. He had at least a chance to show that he was of value to another team in this preseason, if not for us. And he didn't do that either. And 
I feel bad for the kid. I do. But back to IQ, who was leading that unit to nowhere. And then you saw him come out the next game and be gunshot. You got to find a middle ground. And I think his problem is he doesn't know where his he doesn't know where he should be operating from. I think he wants to be one thing when he's another. Right now, maybe with a different team, you know, different talent base, different system, he'd have more space to work with, but he's just not getting by people on those screens. And because he's not getting by people, there's no advantage created. And instead of moving the ball to someone else and letting them make a play, he just tries again. And that's not going to work for them. In order for that second unit to play well, it needs to be moved around. It can't be centered on a guy who's just not a dynamic enough offensive player on the ball. He's just not. Obi Topping, you saw up and down from him. You saw good, you saw bad. He got hurt in the last preseason game. That's terrible for him. You know, that's terrible for him. You don't want to start the season because without him in the second unit, I don't know what the second unit is going to do if Derrick Rose is not popping off. The second unit is just, unless IQ figures himself out, the second unit is just not doing it right now. Now, Grimes has not played. That's a big part of this. But you know he's rusty. So, and the season's starting off. It's you're talking about Memphis to start the, the season. There's no breaks. No breaks. They got to get themselves together. And I don't know if Grimes is going to – the type of shots that Grimes takes, it's hard to just step out on the floor and I'm just going to be knocking these shots down against one of the better teams in the league. And with no – if you know, Obi's questionable right now. If Obi's not – Obi, if he's not active and running around the court like a maniac, then a lot of times his effectiveness is limited. Maybe, you know, it'll help him hit a jumper, which has been up and down. And he's a very aggressive shooter, and you don't want to take that aggressiveness away from him, but you don't want to see a repeat of last year where he shot a very low percentage. I think it was like 20%, somewhere around there. It felt like it at least. You want to see him be more efficient with that shot, so you want to see him take good ones. You don't want to see him hesitate, but you do need him to calm down and take a good shot and not be overactive, looking hyperactive in the middle of a jump shot. So uh, unhealthy OB in that second unit, a out-of-sorts Quentin Grimes, and an IQ who's not looking solid right now. That's not a good second unit unless Derrick Rose has the ball in his hands and he's dominating with the ball. But that first unit, give him credit. Give him credit. Even games where Jalen is not shooting well, they still look good. They still look good. Randall still can't throw the ball in the ocean. Still can't. And for all you Obi Toppin fans out there, Obi's not ready either. Obi's not doing anything that should supplant JR right now. He's not. I don't care what you say. JR last year? Julius last year? Sure. Okay. 
But right now, no, he's not. Julius is doing too many things on the floor, even though he can't hit the broad side of a barn. He's doing too many things on the floor to be supplanted by Obi, who's not being very consistent. So for all of the people who just want Julius traded away for a bag of beans, that's just not a good move if you want this team to win games. You want to tank? Okay, but that's not clearly not the plan. If you trade Julius, you think you're going to be better. Right now, that's not the case. You haven't seen that. You haven't seen that from Obi. You haven't seen it from Quickly. Who would play more, obviously. Obviously, you don't play the same position, position, but the rotation would mean that IQ would be on the floor more if Julius was traded and those players came back. You don't have a lot of power forwards on that roster. Taj Gibson's not even here. So you're talking if Randall is moved for nothing, which if you're going to bring players back, it's going to have to be somebody at the power forward position unless you're moving Fournier too. It just doesn't make roster sense. If you actually play it out in your head to trade Randall without trading some of the other young wings at the two and the three, trading Randall and bringing a player back, there's no room for that player to play. The point guard position is sewn up. The shooting guard position has a lot of people playing there. The small forward position, I mean, you want to say the two and the three, you have guys who are playing in that position who you're, as an as a organization and as a fan, you want guys playing. You want Grimes playing. You want RJ playing minutes there. You don't want to bring in a player who's going to play those minutes. You want to bring in a player to play Fournier's minutes, probably. So that means Fournier got to go, too. So there aren't a lot of trades that make sense if the Knicks are actually trying to win games right now for Julius Randle. And it's not like teams are beating down their door trying to get him with him hitting the side of the rim every time he shoots. But in spite of his poor shooting, the Knicks starters are playing well. And if you're a Knicks fan, you have to feel good going into the season watching them play. RJ is efficient, playing well, very well. You've seen him take a leap, run since, seamless transition so far. You'd expect that with him knowing the coaching staff so well, but you had to see it. And you have. And the first unit is going to give a lot of people some trouble. But I'm so far, I'm wrong. I thought the second unit was going to run people off the court. They haven't. A big part of that is Grimes. Forgotten man right now. Forgotten in the sense that the Knicks have very high hopes for this player. Very high hopes. So he's, right now, Obi, Rose, Quickly, and Grimes. is That's what you're expecting in that second unit. Those are the guys you're expecting to, I'm not going to say dominate, but really have an advantage most nights. And if they don't, then you really do have some explaining to do, explaining to do on that Donovan trip. Those guys have to beat the second units of other teams or they're just not that good. And I'm a guy who expected them to take a leap too, and I'm not saying that they won't. I'm just saying those guys have to take a leap immediately. 
and second units on most of the teams in these leagues, even contenders, some of the contenders, they should be a minus against this second unit or it's a problem for the organization. Because that's your youth. That's your future. Jalen obviously is not old. JR is not old. And RJ's not old. But they really held those players in high regard. And Donovan Mitchell could be sitting right there next to them, those other players, if those guys are expendable. So they can't play like that. They have to play well. For the Knicks to be good and for the organization to be vindicated for not making that deal. Now, Rose is obviously a big part of that in that second unit. I'm excited to see the second unit play better than they did in the preseason. And they, they didn't play terribly, but they didn't play good enough. Hartenstein, listen, I talked about it. I said you had to do more with Hartenstein on the perimeter, and they've done that. A lot of backdoor plays, looking good, looking like an NBA offense, something that Knicks have not looked like in a long time. Every time I see that backdoor play, I'm you haven't seen that from the Knicks very often. He's a solid rebounder. He's always around the rim. He's not perfect. That shot looks like Julius sometimes. Looks like Julius is shooting sometimes. You don't need that. But all in all, you got to like what you saw from him in the preseason. And, of course, Mitchell Robinson. The way he plays. The way he played against the Wizards, a game we haven't gotten into to talk about yet. The way he played every preseason game while he was in there. You got to be excited about what you see with him. If you're a fantasy league player, snatch up Mitchell in those later rounds. I missed him a couple times being greedy. This guy's going to be high-end rebounds, high-end blocks. He's all over the place on the court. All over the place. I was uneasy about Mitchell getting, getting that contract. Thought he got paid maybe ten ten million more total than I would have wanted to give him. But you know, it's not the end of the world. I don't know if I would have committed to Mitchell. Last year he was good, don't get me wrong. But if you're trying to actually win at a high level, was he good enough at that position? For a long time, Mitchell was compared to Robert Williams. Robert Williams has surpassed Mitchell Robinson. At least he did last year in effect on the court had surpassed him. And Mitchell was in, was in a position where for a little while, at least the season before, are you better than Daniel Gafford? Well, we know he is because that effort is there. And the more you hear Mitchell talk about the effort that he's going to give the Knicks since the Knicks committed to him, he's, he's said that a couple times, it tells you that the effort wasn't always there before. Which is a shame, but moving on. And if you see Mitchell, if you've seen him this preseason, he's going to change a lot of things for the Knicks defensively and offensively because he's all over the offensive board. He's not just watching boards. He was a great offensive rebounder last year, and if you watch the Knicks, you saw that he didn't go after a lot. So he was a good offensive rebounder without even trying that hard. But what you have to understand about offensive rebounds in the Knicks in in the league right now, there are a lot of centers who shoot from the outside now. So when you spread the court, 
and you have a lot of shooting bigs, you're not going to get a lot of offensive points. The Knicks are one of the teams that have bigs that are around the paint all the time. They should have a lot of offensive rebounds. The problem is other teams who have those kinds of bigs, they usually don't crash the boards, which is a feather in Mitchell's cap. But you have to take all of this stuff and you got to put it in a context. He should dominate the league in offensive boards because he's one of the centers that are around the basket a lot. And most of the league has guys who aren't. So he should do that. And you need to continue to see it because the Knicks are not always going to shoot a high field goal percentage, especially with Julius Randle shooting with his thumb. Clearly, he shoots with his thumb. And you've seen you've seen RJ find him. You've seen the whole team look for him on offense, something I talked about they were terrible at doing last year. He's terrible at creating passing lanes, but the Knicks were terrible at looking for him. They're terrible passers collectively. They weren't very creative in trying to get him the ball. You've seen RJ be the opposite of that so far this year. And you know that Jalen is a much better passer than a lot of these guys are, especially the guys last year. And not to pick on quickly, for a guy who has the ball as much as he has it, he averaged three assists a game in the preseason. Three assists. Oh my God. You can't have the ball that much and only get three assists in the preseason. You gotta do it. And I, I just, I don't want to pick on the guy because I think he's a really good guy. And I think, I think he's a good player. I think he has a future in the league as a six man, a guy who's going to put. A lot of points on the board. If you're not paying attention to him, I think he, I think he's a guy that is better than what he's playing right now. But he has to understand that. He has to understand that. He's not as good as he thinks he is right now. You can't have the ball in your hands that much and and average three assists. You can't do that. Three assists. Evan Fournier, who plays less minutes and is not even a point guard. He averages three assists. Hmm. You can argue Brunson only averages four assists. Listen, you can. If that's the route you want to go to, fine. I get it. Brunson is not a high assist guy. That's a little counterintuitive if you're talking about a good point guard. But Brunson, I'd rather have the ball in Brunson's hands. That's one of those things that you're you're watching the game. You know. There's a difference between what IQ's doing out there and what Brunson's doing out there. And I will say that Brunson's four assists a game, to me, are more of a value than whatever IQ is doing because half of those assists are throwing the ball to, to Obi Toppin, who, for whatever reason, manages to beat the defense down the floor almost all the time. He probably gets one and a half assists per game just throwing the ball down court to Obi Toppin. And he misses him two or three times a game. Maybe not two or three. Twice a game. In the preseason, he's missed Obi for no reason. You're going to miss open people sometimes. But for no reason whatsoever. It is one. It was a possession, I believe, in the second Pacer game. Maybe it was a Wizard game. I don't remember. Where he dribbled to the side of the court where Obi was wide open under the basket and still managed not to pass him the ball. It wasn't even a cross-court pass. You dribbled to the same side. There was no, there was no one there. Just throw it up in the air. You still didn't pass it. What are you doing? It's just not his game. It's not his forte. I just, right now, at least. But 
off the ball, I think he can. And if he's off the ball, I think he's he can be very effective. And I've seen I've seen Fournier be more effective off the ball in short minutes. I I predicted it before the season, before we saw a couple preseason games. I predicted that Fournier was really looking like a first and third and third quarter player. And that's what you've seen for the most part in the preseason. Some of that is preseason stuff. Fournier played for his country in the offseason, but and he's going to come back into the game. I'm not going to exaggerate the issue. But if Grimes is playing well, if Rose is playing well, you may not see Fournier too many times. But, you know, and Grimes is still rusty, so to start the season, you're going to see a little bit more Fournier. Won't get into the Wizard game too much because you saw nothing but good things for the most part from, from most of the guys. Like I said, Obi was up and down. We talked about quickly. Everyone else, except for Cam, everybody else played decently. Anyone who was going to actually play minutes this year, they played decently in that Wizard game. Looking forward, you have the Grizzlies. First game, tough matchup. Tough matchup. At Memphis, that's going to be a tough one. Don't get a bit. Don't get bent out of shape if they lose that game. Don't get bent out of shape if the game is close. They had a ten point lead in the fourth quarter and they lost it at the end. That's what's probably going to happen. Memphis is a good team. You don't have a whole lot of guys who can guard John Morant. And don't beat yourself up about it if you're a Nick fan because there aren't a whole lot of people in the in this world that can guard John Morant. So that's the way that's going to be. You got the Pistons coming up after that at home home opener. You got to win that game. It can't even be close. There, I told you there were people out there who thought that who think the Pistons are going to be better than the Knicks. You got to you got to nip that in the bud immediately if you're a serious team. And the Pistons have better talent than the Knicks. I think sometimes people get that confused. It's the whole it's the whole Cam Reddish thing. Talent is not enough. You got to know how to play and you got to know how to play together. You got to know how to be a pro. And I'm not sure if the Pistons are there yet. And I really didn't like the way the offense looked for them. It could look better. So I think they have a little bit of strategic shortcomings. Put that on a coach. Put that on the fact that they're just putting putting this, this team together. Whatever it is, the Knicks should beat them at home. The Magic, same thing. At home should be a win. I don't care. Talented players, Pablo Banchero, let him go out there and light the Knicks up. Still, you better win that game. You cannot have Cole Anthony come in there and light you up like he did last year. You got to shut it down. They should not be able to keep up with you first unit and second unit in the garden. Shouldn't do it. That's a team that should be or might be talking about tanking later on in the year. Wendell Carter Jr., all good players. You're going to have to outwork them, going to have to out-effort them, out-execute them in a season where you have hopes of surprising people who have low expectations for you. You have to beat the Magic at home. The Hornets are at an unmitigated disaster right now. They haven't recovered from Bridges and his nonsense. He put him in jail. Ball is hurt. He might be playing by then. Who knows? Book Knight is driving drunk all over the world. 
he's going to be in jail. It's like, this is a disaster. You can't let this team beat you. You can't. And that game's at home, too, for the Knicks. That's that's a three-game homestand against teams you better beat. That's three and one to start the season at worst, if you're legitimate. Then you go to the Bucks, and then you go to the Cavs. That's three and three. If you want to be objective about it, you're not beating the Bucks, and you're probably not beating the Cavs. Not on the road. Not with Donovan Mitchell wanting to put 69 points on you. I told you the first time Donovan Mitchell plays the Knicks, he's scoring 69 points. There's no other way around it. You're not going to be able to guard him. If the Knicks win that game, you know they're serious. That's going to be the test. You know they're serious if they win that game. So that's how the season starts off. Let me see. What record am I giving them? That's a, that's a loss, loss, loss. So three losses. So what am I saying? Three and three? Three and three. Start the year. That's not going to excite anybody. But you can't just come up with arbitrary numbers when you're talking wins and losses. you got to actually beat real teams. You gotta beat real teams, and the prediction for the year is uh, to me: if the Knicks are in the play-in games, they had a good year. And it's not about just wins and losses, and it's not about whether or not they made the playoffs with Jalen Brunson signing and not getting Donovan Mitchell. It's about who are they playing? They are playing good teams in Eastern Conference. There's a good conference teams that have more talent than they do. If they have an opportunity to go to the playoffs, to me, it was a successful season. Um, record-wise, performance-wise, but most people are not going to see it that way, but that's objective. Tell me the team the Knicks are more talented than in the Eastern Conference, a playoff team. Tell me who that team is. You go down the line. They don't have more talent than the teams that are supposed to go to the playoffs. They don't have it. Chicago might fall off because of the injuries. Lonzo struggling. But their problem, their problem is all said and done. They're not going to be a high-end playoff team. They fell off without Lonzo last year. Caruso was also hurt, though. And now they have an offseason to prepare for his missing games. So they should be a little bit better than they performed last year without Lonzo. But they're, they're still better than the Knicks because at the end of games, they have somebody they can go to who's going to get them buckets. And right now... I don't care what you I don't care what you think, I don't care what you say. The guy who's gonna get the Knicks buckets at the end of games if Rose is on the floor is Brunson. It's not RJ Barrett, because there are too many guys who can shut RJ Barrett down. And it's not Julius Thumbs Randall. It's Brunson. And Brunson's gonna make plays against a lot of teams, and there's gonna be a lot of teams where he's not. Because he's not he's you know, he's not an unstoppable force like DeMar DeRozan can be or Levine can be. That's the Knicks' plan is to get guys like that. And right now, they're not there, so you cannot put those expectations on them. They're a team that's going to have to work and grind to get into the playoffs. And if they're in that position, it's a successful season performance-wise. For the organization, a successful season is Obi Toppin, Grimes, and quickly show and prove they belong in this league and belong to be belong being considered rotation players and foundation talent for the roster. If they, if the Knicks come out of this year without those three guys establishing themselves in this league, it is a failure from an organizational standpoint. 
Brunson's going to be fine. RJ, I think, is going to be fine. RJ has taken criticism for how he's played the last couple of years, and he's still been, if you've watched, a pretty decent player a lot, and especially in the second half of the season. He's been a decent player. So if he's going to get better and better, and we've seen that already, if he's going to keep getting better, you got to at least feel good about having him as part of the future of your team. He's not going to be a one or a two. And you know what Brunson can do. At least you should. I know there's a lot of haters out there. But those guys, from an organizational standpoint, they have got to take a step up. And that's what you need to look for if you actually want this team to win a championship. If you're a fan, you want this team to win a championship, you're going to get, you're going to get mired in the day-to-day, and you're going to, you know, oh, we didn't win this game, we didn't win that game. That's short-sighted. Are our young players getting better? Are they improving as assets? Do we have an opportunity to bring a superstar in here using these guys? Or do we have a budding borderline NBA starter in one of these guys? Borderline all-star potentially and maybe a guy like Grimes, high in the sky, maybe topping. You got to know what you're going to get. You got to know it from an organizational standpoint. If these guys play like they did in the preseason, up and down, up and down, up and down, it doesn't look good. The Knicks still have their draft picks to try to bring in, you know, a superstar, and they'll package one of those guys or a couple of those guys and send them away. And you better be bringing in a superstar, an A guy, A minus guy, A guy. You're probably not going to get the A plus guy, but you better be bringing in those guys with that talent and your assets, or it was just you wasted draft picks. It's Kevin Knox, wasted draft picks. Nilakina, wasted. Cam Reddish, wasted. You got to get better at drafting. You can't beat him up on quickly. He was a late-round draft pick, and so was Grimes. Can't beat him up, but when you pass on trading them for Donovan Mitchell, they got to perform now. They got to perform. And that's what you want to see. So the season's upon us. I'll be here as soon as that game is over. SportsSpeakCoach.com. Check it out. All of the fantasy news you need. If you're still drafting, still get in there. Get your draft kits. Draft tonight. I'm done drafting. Sick of it. Been too much. But make sure you make those follows. New Twitter alert. At Ethos Knicks. On Twitter, please go follow. At Sports Ethos. On Twitter, please go follow. We're doing this all year long. We can't wait. 